And tonight's the night, Renee Vitale. The first step to Super Bowl 58, like I said, a Super Bowl 58 preview as the uh, Lions take on the the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which is at 820, which is very late for, for us on our new schedule. You know, I, I'll be good until uh, halftime. Yeah. That's it. And then from there, I'm going to have to get the highlights the next morning. Yeah, well, you said your husband's going to be up watching. So may, we should have him on as our sports correspondent. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, no, we don't need that. <laughs> we do not need that. This is your first veto as co-host. <laughs> um, so, you know, there obviously there's a ton of hype around the, the Detroit Lions because – um, you know, they finished so strong last season and they just narrowly missed the playoffs. Um, I want you, but I wonder what the reaction is going to be if they do lose to the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. I would say, you know, let's not panic if they don't win tonight. We're playing against the defending Super Bowl champions. I'm who, sorry, can you repeat that? The defending Super Bowl champions. Right, okay. In the middle of what is probably a dynasty run that rivals the New England Patriots, and they have at quarterback um, a guy who might actually unseat Tom Brady as the greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, is still in his peak. Have we heard about Kelsey? What's going on? You know what? I'm looking this up, and I, I think, speaking of Patriots, I think they're doing that thing where uh, – Back during the Patriots' heyday, like, Tom Brady was always listed as questionable Uh on the injury report. Travis Kelsey is uh, listed as questionable. Uh, His knee is not seriously injured. It just seems like it it was dinged. It's swollen a little bit. For some reason, someone talked to his brother, Jason Kelsey, and he said he thinks he's going to be good to go. So we'll see. But like I said last week, just just go ahead and, and rest the knee, Travis. We don't want you to um, uh, put your season in jeopardy. Sure. And then come back and have a great season after you play the Detroit and Lions. Again, they are the defending Super Bowl champs. No SOL if we lose, okay? I don't want to see that all over Facebook and Twitter tonight. You and I would be terrible football coaches. Hey, look, guys, uh, these guys are pretty good, so uh, <laughs> if you lose, don't worry about it. I'm just saying. Everybody I know, call- you're right. I'm, I'm setting it up. Everybody calm down. Right. Now, that being said, you know, I, 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 we've been hurt so many times. I don't think we're completely out of the SOL woods. Like, wouldn't it be the most right. SOL thing for them to finish last season strong, have all this hype, have, you know, all, all this, uh, th- this whole offseason and all this anticipation, and then they win, like, three games. Yeah, well, there's that. But maybe I shouldn't put that How out in the universe. quickly we forget. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's I not going to happen. La, 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 la. Because even if we do lose to the Chiefs tonight, we'll get them in Super Bowl 58. It's a new chapter. It's a new year. It's a new whatever whatever uh, poster, motivational poster you want to quote. Let's go with it today. Let's all go, right? Let's go with all, it's fall, y'all. <laughs> that that works. It's fall, y'all. And uh, by the way, uh, online gambling has blown up, obviously. It's so easy. It's right here on your phone. Once yeah. you get all set up, you, you literally open an app and, and click two buttons. Um, the American Gaming Association says more than 73 million people are expected to bet on the NFL at some point this season. Wow, that's unbelievable. I tried the online gambling last year, and uh, I don't know. I don't have a stomach for it. It wasn't very fun for me. Also, I wasn't very good, so. 
I'm too stringy with my money. I know. I'm like, oh, there it goes. Uh, well, that's gonna that's gonna take me uh, an hour and a half to make. Back. Yeah, I'm too cheap. So, and I get really upset when I part with my money. So, get, online gambling's not for me. Yeah. So, um, but we're looking forward. It's gonna be a fun night. It's gonna be a fun season, hopefully. And uh, go lines hashtag grit. Grit. I like grit. that. Yes. Uh, so uh, some new escalations in the uh, uh, talks between the UAW and the big three. Yep. President Sean Fain, head of the uh, United Auto Workers, warned Wednesday that the union plans to go on strike against any Detroit automaker that hasn't reached a new agreement by the time that the contracts expire next week. Uh, he said if we haven't reached a tentative deal by the time their contracts reach end, that uh, they're ready to go. And what's unfortunate about this is that a prolonged strike could also lead eventually to higher vehicle prices, which none of us need right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, not too long ago, Patrick Anderson from the pa- Patrick uh, Anderson Economic Group estimated that a 10-day strike against the big three could cost the economy up to $5 billion. Oof. The UAW, they have a strike fund to pay you know, their members in the event of a strike. That would get depleted Three times quicker than if they they just picked one strike target, and, and I'm still so fascinated to see how this ends. You know, is is Sean Fain a, a hard nosed, brilliant no, negotiator, or is he painting himself into a corner where they can't possibly get a deal done? And if they do get a deal done, it'll look like he backed off. Right, right. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. Right. Yeah. Um. And you know, today the UAW and the GM they're supposed to meet. Yesterday, GM released a video statement essentially saying that the UAW's demands are unsustainable. And and obviously, you want a good deal for the UAW, but it has to be sustainable. Um, these things, you know, these demands, the uh, the 42% pay increase and the 32-hour work week, um, you know, I don't know if that's a case of of, of, of negotiate high and then, 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 then kind of negotiate it down. Shoot for the stars and yeah. meet in the middle. But... Uh, I mean, when things are good, that might be sustainable. But every 10, 15 years, there's a downturn in the industry. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, how much of that is GM voicing legitimate concerns? And how much is that of that is GM saying, um, you know, trying to trying to. Yeah. And 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 negotiate those down. Time will tell. Um, Special counsel David Weiss announced that he intends to indict Hunter Biden by the end of the month for lying about. Uh, not being addicted to drugs on a federal background form to purchase a gun. That's a felony. And then a couple of misdemeanors for owing hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Back in July, this was really weird. It seemed like Biden and David Weiss, um, who was the uh, uh, who was the uh, a district attorney in Delaware, um, it seemed like they reached a plea deal, but it fell apart literally in the courtroom. Right. The judge asked Biden's uh, legal team. I'm sorry, Biden's legal team was under the impression that uh, this plea deal protected him from future charges um, for investigations he's still under, mainly his business dealings uh, internationally and using his dad's name for leverage. Um, Biden's legal team thought that this deal gave him immunity in in that. Um, David Weiss said, no, that's not the case. And uh, so it fell apart. And now it looks like uh, instead of having a plea deal, Hunter Biden is going to be indicted, and it seems like this is going to be the indictment election season. So he's going to have to go through all of this. He thought it was behind him. Right. And surprise, here we go. Uh, it's on both sides of the aisle. Uh, yeah, and here's We're the thing. Sp- speaking of both sides of the aisle, you know, you got a bunch of people 
like screaming for Donald Trump to go to jail. Then you got a, a bunch of other people screaming for Hunter Biden to go to jail. And then there's the rest of us in the middle saying, look, if they did something illegal that a normal person would go to jail for, put them in jail. You mean if you do something wrong, you should pay the consequences? Right. It, it, what it, a concept. It doesn't matter if they're the president's son, the former president, the current president. If they broke the law, send them to jail. If they didn't, then leave them alone. Don't right. be don't don't be weaponizing the law because you don't like someone's politics, but also don't put someone else above the law. Just apply the law evenly and uh and and and, and that's it. That's it. I, I mean it's 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 very frustrating. And look, I'm not smart enough to know uh who's guilty, who's not guilty, who's just doing it for political purposes. You know, it's really messing up our heads as as a country. Amen to that. You know, what else is messed up is this story. Michigan State Police are searching for a suspect who set fire to several patrol vehicles and shot at them in Sault Ste. Marie. According to MSP, the patrol vehicles were at the Sault Ste. Marie Post around 3.30 a.m. Wednesday when the suspect allegedly shot and lit them on fire. Troopers say that the suspect is a white male wearing camouflage. He was driving a silver Honda CRV. He was last seen heading southbound on the 75 business loop. He should be considered armed and dangerous. And this is such a bizarre story. It is. What? Why? What was this guy's motive? Yeah. It, just to set a bunch of cars on fire, shoot them up, and then cruise on out of there. I have a feeling when they find this guy, and they will, and, and he's completely boned when they do because... Obviously, um, when you um, threaten or or commit violence against law enforcement, they're going to throw the book at you. Oh, sure. Uh, this guy, uh, th- this guy's internet search history is is going to be an adventure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of dark web stuff mm-hmm. in there, a lot of conspiracy theorists, uh, a, a lot of uh, manifestos. So they will they will catch this guy. The camouflage was a bit much. Um, but yeah, this is that's one of the weirdest stories that that I've heard. And luckily, luckily, um, there were no uh, police officers around. Nobody was injured during Correct. this. But uh, you know, very obviously, strange. very unsettling. It's first thing with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. Well, Renee, I I have to admit that you are uh, much more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed than I thought you would be. After a night at uh, Pine Knob, seeing the Smashing Pumpkins. Well, that makes two of us. I have no idea what's going on right now. What's going to happen is 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 you're going to crash tomorrow after staying up late to watch a lot. You're just going to be like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to need a stick here to like wake you up. Probably, Renee. Traffic, go. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, I, Pine Knob is 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 one of my favorite places, if not my favorite place to see a show. Right? Sure. Same here. Nothing better than a warm summer night. Um, you know, especially after dark, watching one of your favorite bands. Normally, it's a band that, like, I grew up listening to, so, like, the nostalgia is extra thick. Yep. Um, and last time I was there was at the end of July for, for Fall Out Boy, and it was a great show, but we had lawn seats. And, uh, you know, I'm pushing 40, and I said to myself, you know what? The lawn at Pine Knob is a young man's game. I'm officially... I've officially retired from the lawn at Pine Knob. If I can't swing pavilion seats, I can't do it. I give you credit. I couldn't do it. We had we had pavilion seats yesterday, and I know I could not do it. My next-door neighbors were on the lawn and said, hey, let's meet up. Have yeah. a drink with us. I went, nope. No, sir. I'm sorry. I can't you're do the, that. You're the pavilion from your perch watching all the peasants <laughs> up. 
uh-huh, I'll be right here. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, when I was younger, um, I to me, I was like, I, I loved the lawn. Well, that was the place to be. That's where the party was. But the thing is, when I'm on the lawn, number one, you have to get there super early mm-hmm. to not get a seat uh, that's either way far up or behind one of those poles like right. Old Tiger Stadium. You have to claim your space. And I could literally feel... Um, like my aches and pains growing for the next morning. Sure. Well, it's the dampness of the ground. Yeah. It's the uh, the angle it's of the un- hill. Right. It's unlevel. You're sitting on a bump. It's nature. Sure. So, but uh, yeah, I love I love Pine Knob. I get very excited for for any show I go. This is no shame on Pine Knob. It's more of a uh, it's a more of a commentary on my uh, slow descent to the grave. Our here. elder millennial. Yeah. Right. So. Yes. Um, so congratulations on being a gamer. I, I don't, you know, if I, if I'm out past nine o'clock on a school night. Well, I said nine thirty. Nine thirty is my cutoff, and then they cut the show at nine fifty because of the weather. They had to cut it. I was going to ask you if you got caught in the weather. We did not. We yeah. we cut out at the sweet spot. Apparently. Do you get kind of offended? Do you feel kind of slighted when like big acts come through Detroit on a weekday? It's like, what are we, Poughkeepsie? We're a major market here. Saturday, Friday, or Saturday? Well, especially when it's the Smashing Pumpkins. Come on, you know we're all forty something. You know gonna, we all have jobs. I was going to say, you know their demographic has to work in the morning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. You know you bring me. Machine Gun Kelly uh, to Pine Knob on a weeknight. You know that uh, all his fans, they they don't have to work until the next afternoon. They're just retreating to mom and dad's basement. Yeah, which no shame in that. Um, This Alex Murdaugh guy, he is a piece of work. He's that South Carolina lawyer who is convicting of, of killing his wife and son back in March. Well, he's filing a motion requesting a new trial on the grounds of alleged jury tampering. And and, and this was all over the place. They made a Netflix documentary. Yep. His legal team is accusing uh, Colleton County Clerk of Courts Rebecca Hill of pressuring jurors to reach a quick verdict. And uh, they're accusing her of having private conversations with the jury for person telling other juries not to be deceived by the defense's evidence and to watch Alex's family during his testimony. Uh, they also cite that uh, Hill has been traveling with three of the jurors in promotion of her book, which I, I really wish she didn't do that because it looks bad. But I, I'm, It's not a good look. But, you know, what's the saying? Both things can be true. Um, I still think the guy's guilty of sin. I mean... Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, number one... It, you know, he comes from a prominent law family over in that county in South Carolina. They've been above the law for so long. Um, if it wasn't this clerk of courts, he would have found another loophole. Um, He's an attorney. Exactly. Yeah. And, and before this, him and his family were linked to so many other deaths. Um, the death of their housekeeper. Um, two of their sons this were involved in, in the death of a couple of friends. He tried to set up like a hit on himself on the side of the road to make it look like he was whacked, changing uh, a tire, some kind of life insurance scheme for it's just this guy. This guy is guilty. But this 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 clerk of courts really screwed up. Yeah. But I think this plan, the plan all along was for him to do what he wanted to do. And and if he got sent to jail, he would find some kind of loophole that would help him walk. And what's sad is that the the victims, the family, you know, the remaining family has to go through all of this all over again. Right. I mean, here locally, if you remember that story of uh, 
that man who who uh, kidnapped two year old Winter Smith, um, and and left her, killed her, and left her body in Detroit. Um, you know, Dana Nessel was consolidating all those charges for that very reason, mm-hmm. so that the the family witness don't have to be traumatized three times, right? Just once, and, and so. But you know, this guy's obviously a sociopath. He doesn't care who gets hurt. He doesn't care. Yep. Um, um, about anything other than saving his own butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of uh, speaking of people who should be in jail, um, do, have you seen this video of this escaped convict in Pennsylvania, Danilo Cavalcante, which is a great criminal name? Um, escaping from prison, there's uh, there's that uh, uh, video. Uh, it's the surveillance video from the prison of him literally walking up a wall like Spider Man. Have I seen it? I watched it at least five times because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looks fake. It looks like one of those over-the-top moves from any type of action movie. Like like parkour or something. Yes, it's unbelievable. How did this man practice these moves? He had to have practiced it and figured out how he was going to do that. Right, because, you know, in his cell... In his cell, he's under constant surveillance. So if he's if he's doing this crab walk, which I guess, uh, pardon me, there's uh, you know there's two walls in this door well, and he's got his hands on one one set of wall, uh, his feet on the other ones, and he crab walks up. I guess there's razor wire up there. He got through, and then he got through that like nothing. He got up on the roof. There was a uh, there was a guard in the tower not paying attention. Right. I was going to say, did they not have anyone watching the rooftop? Not this guy, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's a good question because, I mean, you're under constant surveillance in in prison. Right. The guards are watching you walk up w- walk up a wall. What are you gonna What, what are you gonna explain away? Oh, I'm just. It, I'm working out. Right, right. I mean, the core strength, though, that this guy had to have to do that. Holy smokes. I mean, it doesn't sound like they they keep really great watch on their prisoners here. Um, Another prisoner escaped back in May, uh, got up on the roof. He was caught in five minutes. Calvin Conti was gone for an hour before anyone noticed. So that's probably why he was able to practice, because he escaped he was gone an hour. They found him on like uh, when they're going around, like checking, making sure all the prisoners were in there. So it sounds like he had a lot of time unsupervised to practice in his cell. It sounds like he figured out their routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, and he's still on the loose and uh, terrifying. Yeah. That that radius keeps growing. And, um, you know, people are still in lockdown. The schools are closed. It's uh, it, it, yeah, you're right. It's got to be a terrible, uh, terrifying experience. Um, so tonight, the it's the Lions' uh, season opener. I've been calling it a Super Bowl Fifty Eight preview. And uh, if you are going to be door dashing some pizza during the game, Little Caesars wants to give you a little bit of a break. Yeah, so they are going to waive all the delivery fees, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter the size order. Now, I've never. I, I will tell you, I have never used DoorDash or any of those. Mm. So, is this a big deal? Well, it's going to be a nightmare for the DoorDashers. Okay. You know, here's a little secret about 90% of people who work in radio DoorDash now. Um, and, and so what's going to happen is is people are going to think that this is free. Little Caesars is going to get super busy, and then the, and then people are going to be waiting for their pizza because they think it's free. And as a DoorDasher, most, most DoorDashers, they, they won't take an order unless they're getting like a dollar per mile. Uh-huh. So DoorDashers are going to be really busy. They're probably be getting bad tips. So if you are 
ordering free DoorDash tonight, just make sure that you're 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 tipping your 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 driver well, or else you're going to be waiting for a while. So, do you think this is actually going to be a nightmare on both ends? Uh, probably, because I remember w- w- I I remember the great Wendy's promotion of 2023, and uh, and yeah. that was. Um, they, they, they were doing like free delivery one day. I think okay. they're giving away frosty or fries. And, uh, yeah, for those two hours, like you could not get near a Wendy's. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, not to, I mean, not to throw cold water on, but if you order, if you order free, uh, delivery DoorDash tonight for pizza, just, uh, it's like tip your waitresses, just tip your DoorDash drivers well. Because, and be patient because yeah, it might take longer. They're going to be hustling. And, uh. Out in Boston, you know, I I think we're gonna have to save this for the break because we're so we're so late. But uh, uh, David Portnoy uh, from Barstool, he makes another uh, uh, pizza place famous. Like here in Detroit, Freddie the Pizza Man, he yeah. he he named him best pizza um, in Metro Detroit, and the guy blew up. and And obviously, it's well deserved. He's he he's he's a very kind man. Uh, I know Nick knows him well. I me- I spent a little time with him. And he does a lot of great things for for autism. So uh, much deserved for Freddie the Pizza Man. But David Portnoy, um, David Portnoy deemed one pizza place the worst pizza he's ever had. Oh my! And it, it, it and that guy blew up as well. We'll we'll have to talk about that a little bit more on the other side uh, with Guy because uh, we're running late. It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitelli on WJR with Guy Gordon and and Renee. Uh, we got caught trying to get into a topic at the end of uh, last segment here. Um, if you guys remember when when uh, Barstool Sports and David Portnoy uh, were in town, um, Barstool Sports has that very uh, popular segment, the One Bite Pizza Review. Yep. And uh, I mean, Friday the Pizza Man was 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 successful before, but uh, Portnoy deemed uh, Friday the Pizza Man the best pizza in Detroit, and, and, and Freddie blew up, and, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, Hmm. and uh, there's this pizza place in Boston called Dragon Pizza, and, uh, well, the opposite happened for them. Uh, Portnoy said that, uh, he posted a video saying it was the worst pizza he ever had. Uh, he was out in front of the place trashing it, and the pizza and, and the pizza owner came out and they had an altercation. I try to give everybody good scores. I gave this place, like, maybe the worst score I've given in a long time, and then the came out with... So I mean, it actually like worked floppy. out. I, I don't like floppy. Dudes. I don't like coffee. Crispy. Yeah. Crispy, crispy. Let me be a little clearer. Move on. Don't stand in front of my business. Let me be clear. Clear. So you get the idea. Wow. Sounds like a great guy. Right. Mm. It, 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 it was the opposite of what happened to Freddy the Pizza Man. Freddy the Pizza Man had the best pizza in Detroit. Portnoy said this guy had the worst pizza in America. He still gave it a 6.8, which seems like an okay score. Right. Um, so this guy, uh, Dragon Pizza, posted on their Instagram on Tuesday that they've sold out with pizza. So I guess there's no, it, what's the old saying? No publicity is bad publicity. Exactly. bad publicity. So, um, And speaking of good publicity, uh, Renee, Dan Gilbert, how much did he, uh, how much did he pledge to build this uh, uh, fibro, no, I'm sorry, neurofibromatosis uh, facility? Um, to research um, this this condition that uh, his 26 year old son died of earlier this this year, three hundred and seventy five million dollars, yeah. and that's on top of a half billion dollars he'd already pledged to wow. na- neighborhood 
uh, economic development a couple of years ago. So there's almost a billion dollars that that Dan and Jennifer Gilbert. And if you look at the news conference, first mm-hmm. of all, it's just nice to see him. Yeah, it is um, good to see And him. Uh, he appeared to me to be strong in spirit. He's I was still suffering that too. some aftermath from the stroke. But in addition to this uh, neurofibromatosis center, which will be a leading nationally recognized research center, mm-hmm. where people in our area can also get groundbreaking treatment, there's going to be this other, and I don't have my notes up here, this mobility lab. Yeah. Which will help stroke survivors come back through therapy. Well, you're right, guy, because I heard the sound bites before I saw the video. Right. Um, and I thought to myself, Dan Gilbert sounds good. I, I mean, uh, mentally and verbally, he sounds strong. On the video, um, his wife Jennifer is is helping him physically, but his left side is yeah is is, is he's disabled on his left side. But again, she was turning the pages for him. Right. And it was just a sweet moment. But, I mean, what two two amazing people. Well, and mentally, he he sounds sharp. Oh, yeah. The um, physical therapy aspect, when you have someone that's gone through a stroke, the physical physical therapy aspect is so huge. And so that contribution. Yeah. And you heard the soundbite that I pulled. He said, look, while I was at this yeah. leading yep. uh, you know, therapy center in Chicago, I'm looking around, and there's a number of people that can't afford to do this. So right. they're and, building it here. He's going to make sure that there's $10 million in the kitty to give low-income people a chance to get that therapy. That's great. Well, and that's what jumped out to me. I mean, that was very astute. A lot of times when, when someone is that wealthy and that successful, they're kind of out of touch. But he recognized that his reco- his his recovery is, is going well because he can actually afford the treatment. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who only get so much time on their insurance, and then they're kind of out in the cold and and they they have to try to continue that on their own and it's not going to be as effective as if they're in a a professional facility with with professionals helping them out jennifer was i I thought in in the there was an introductory video that they they did and she she basically said what we all know is that uh look it it doesn't matter how wealthy you are if you don't have your health um then you really don't have anything and this is what they faced with nick and that in spite of all of their success and wealth they could only go so far to help him and and she said, no, you know, few families have been impacted by, uh, you know, bad luck, b- misfortune with health. And they have between Dan's stroke and, and Nick's uh, neurofibromatosis. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't take it with you. And, and I don't know if it was the stroke that that really kind of spurred all this philanthropy. I mean, they were pretty philanthropic oh to begin gosh. with. Yeah. But I, I think it might have might have accelerated it, and especially, you know, losing their son, Nick. Um, you know, it, you feel so helpless when something like that happens. So if you have the means to do something about it, good for them. Angels for this city, for sure. That's a great, and you know, that is true. They are angels. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's already, the, the commitment that he's made through Rocket and other things, whether it's the golf tournament, he's just been Detroit's biggest booster. And that's why, I mean, he... There is no indispensable man. Well, he's about as close as you can get right? yeah. to the city of Absolutely. Detroit. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, obviously you see what's happening downtown, Campus Martius, and, and all the revitalization. Yeah. That doesn't happen without Dan Gilbert for being one of the first, along with Peter Carmanos, um, moving there. And Mike Illich. Yeah. Mo- you know. y- yeah. Choosing sure. choosing to, to move from the suburbs and, and, and set up their home base here. Yeah. Um, another uh, another one of our local heroes is uh, is struggling with some injuries. Do you guys remember back in May when Lester the cow got loose 
on I-75. He was yes. being transported from one rescue to Could another. Could have ended so badly. And, yeah, and, and this guy named Little, little uh, Ricky Littlejohn, I, I guess there's local cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called, and, and there's that video of, of him riding on horseback down I-75 with a lasso. Yep. <laughs> And he, you know, he caught Lester. He, he did the thing. It, it literally was 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 a real cowboy movie. Lassoed him. Um, I think he they, he tied up his legs and, and they got Lester off seventy five and, and and back to a rescue. Well, unfortunately, he's been injured. He was hit by a loose truck while he was lo- loading horses up at a rodeo in Pennsylvania, and uh, he has multiple. Uh, uh, fractures in his spine. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. So they've set up a GoFundMe page, mm-hmm. and uh, the family, I mean, the, the people that set it up were the family, Lester's family. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the owners of the cow the who was rescued. The cow's family? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No bull. <laughs> How um, they, and It's here so, all week. Yeah. And it's, so what What a sweet story. That they, they really come to him and they said, you know, we could have lost Lester without him risking his life, his horse's well-being as well. The lasso. Uh, Lester. Wow, yeah. that's quite an injury, though. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. I, I mean, it, the, the guy's rugged. I mean, he's real cowboy. Uh, they were showing his rehab, so hopefully, uh, he makes a recovery and he can go back to uh, lassoing runaway animals uh, off the, the on highway. interstates. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Morning coming up with Renee Vitale and a big name Republican has thrown his hat into the ring for Debbie Stabenow's soon to be vacant Senate seat. Former Congressman and Chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Mike Rogers, made the official announcement yesterday, and he started his busy day with Guy Gordon on JR Morning. Well, until now, the fight for U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow's soon-to-be-vacant seat has been notable in and on the Republican side. Uh, Most of the candidates that have announced have been lesser-knowns or unknowns. Well, that changed when a seven-term former Congressman, U.S. Representative Mike Rogers, announced he is jumping into the contest. After 10 years being active, but on the sidelines, he made the announcement in a video posted online, but he's going to do it for us here live on WJR Morning. Mike Rogers, good morning, and welcome back to the fight. Hey, Guy Gordon, thank you very much. It is uh, it is good to be back in the fight, I have to tell you. Not that you yeah, ever we, really uh, left. I mean, you no. have been a, a, certainly a, a, a vocal observer. Yeah, we have. You know, we always try to steer the ship in the right direction for a country that we love. And, you know, listen, I, I, I've always have been a passionate believer that service is important and, and, you know, volunteered for the United States Army, served in the Army, and I served in the FBI working organized crime and had the great privilege to be the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee in some pretty hard years after 9-11. Then I went into cybersecurity, and as you know, I did a lot of, uh, a lot of talking about national security issues and studying those issues over the last few years. And one thing that just struck me over and over with all the conversations I've had with Michiganders and people around the country is that political discourage, uh, discouragement. I mean, they're just so discouraged. They think we're on the wrong track to three-quarters of America believes we're on the wrong track, and right. there's reason for that. And our goal is, listen, I'm going to run for the Michigan Senate uh, to make sure that we get back on track. And nobody's better prepared, Guy, I think you know that to walk in on day one and be effective. And I just don't think we have time for on-the-job on, on training with China breathing down our neck with the, the economy. The Biden, Bidenomics is just killing families. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what economists they're talking to that's saying everything is just fine. Uh, if people are taking stuff out of their cart and putting it back on the shelf because they can't afford it, uh, that they used to buy uh, you know, a year ago, 
we've got a problem and we've got to fix it. And we've got to be serious about the problems that we have and the solutions to get us back on track. Well, there's there's going to be a pretty big fight just coming up in the next 10 days over Bidenomics, and that is this idea of this massive deficit spending. The deficit has doubled rather than shrinking in spite of the fact that our economy is growing. So if Mike Rogers was in the Senate now, where would you stand on the, the, the this prospect of a, of a government shutdown and drawing the line on the irresponsible spending that we've seen? Yeah, one of the things, and I've been saying this for a while, is you have to restructure government. Think of this. Right now, the average employee in Washington, D.C. now makes over $100,000 a year. The average employee. That's about 20 Michiganders paying their average income tax to the federal government. 20 to pay for one. This is a structure problem. It can't be, you know, we can fight over, uh, a, you know, two pennies or a, a dollar or five bucks here. We have to restructure the government so it actually works for you, not against you. It's not been modernized. We have huge problems back there. So what we need to do, I, I wouldn't shut down the government. I think it hurts our credit. Uh, but I would start looking at reforming the way the government operates to get those costs under control. I mean, they still are operating on fax machines back there to submit applications for, for different loan programs. Fax machines. I don't know about you, Guy, but we haven't used those in uh, in quite a while. I mean, they just they just have no sense of modernization, and it takes ten people to operate the fax machine. Apparently, you're calling me out because I just threw mine out six months ago. Okay, I was a little late. <laughs> I was a little late to that. In terms of yeah, drawing but distinctions, but at least you threw it out. Guys. At least I got rid of it. Uh, in, in terms of drawing a distinction between yourself and and the person that it's either going to be actor Hill Harper or Congresswoman Melissa Slotkin. She also has a pretty good resume when it comes to national security and she claims that she has been uh, highly critical within the walls of the white house when she's visited there over border security but is that going to be a defining issue in this race do you feel that our border security in the south uh claiming that you're vocal on something behind closed doors is uh, not not a solution in the making uh, we have i have never seen anything like this in my time and as a, listen i used to be an fbi agent working on organized crime when you look at what is wrong with the borders, it's starting. It, it's not starting. It is dangerous. Not only from fentanyl, by the way, that killed 3,000 Michigan citizens last year. 3,000. Uh, the fact that people are coming over the border that are on the no-fly list. We have found ISIS members trying to get across the border. Uh, it is absolutely overrun. We have lost control of it, and the rest of the world knows it. It's dangerous. That is, that is a wrong-track policy that 75% of Americans know is wrong, and saying you're whispering about it in a back room somewhere in the White House doesn't fix the problem. And listen, we need somebody who's going to walk in the Senate and get these things done and knows how to do it. So, uh, that's what I'm going to offer here. So what's the solution, Mike? Because we have uh, some senators talking about sending in the American military, treating Mexico as a narco-terrorist state. Um, how far do you go in in fighting that fentanyl, and do you use American military might to secure the border? I, well, I'm not big on on the military because the the rules of engagement for the military on the southern border are just so different. I, here's the crazy thing, guy: the Turkey, the Turkish and Greek border had a problem, and they were the Greeks were saying the the Turks were just pouring over the border. They were letting out their prisons into the into Greece. They've had this long going. Uh, problem. Do you know how they fixed it? They called the American uh, Customs and Border Protection 
and in 18 months, through all of the guidance of the Customs and Border Protection, they sealed off their border, and they controlled their border. And so this Senate race uh, that Mike Rogers entered could be very interesting because the presumed Democrat candidate is Alyssa Slotkin. Um, she is the current sitting congresswoman in the district that Mike Rogers used to represent. So it's it's kind of interesting that uh, uh, both of them, it's such a high-profile district out yeah. in Brighton. Um, so, Renee, um, a lot of talk about fix the damn roads, and there may be an unconventional solution. This may be the solution. Researchers have found that concrete can be made 30% stronger by replacing a percentage of sand with spent coffee grounds, which is an organic waste product produced in huge amounts that usually just ends up in the landfills. The method also produces the use of natural resources like sand for their contributing to greener circular economy. Now, the research is in the early stages, uh, but what a great way to use up coffee grounds. Yeah, very interesting and very uh, environmentally sustainable. It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on News Talk 760 WJR.